Welcome! This is the Rotten Tomatoes Part 2 edition. Rotten Tomatoes is the worst. Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes is the worst edition. Brought to you by Beyond the Hate. Yes. Uh, I'm John. I'm Steve. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to cover uh, six movies um, that we handpicked that got a lot of hate. And we're going to go through... And basically what we're going to do is we're going to show you how, you know, incredible Rotten Tomatoes is as a site and why you should, you should, um, you should just, uh, watch the movie instead of looking up whatever fresh ratings are on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, so the first movie that we had in mind to go ahead and cover was Solo. A Star Wars story, a movie that we're very fond of. Yeah. Uh, even though, you know, it, it did get seventy percent on here, which was very surprising to us. Audience score was way worse. Yeah, audience score was worse, but the critics were like, "Yeah, it's not bad." Um. Uh, so, like on. Uh, so, like on critics, let's see. Young Han can only watch helplessly as the gravity of Star Wars Children's Crusades overwhelms him and the wondrous fun run fun run gives way to joyous slog that actually undermines the hero the heroism uh, of a new hope even as it seeks to foreshadow it that's uh, Matthew Licana from the, Sandi- from the San Diego Reader. I think we he showed up on our last Rotten Tomatoes episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lacona, I remember that dude's name because I think we made fun of his name last time. Yeah. Uh, like this dick owner. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, I don't even know. But the whole idea that. that, you know, that they're undermining his character uh, during the movie, it's like Han, Han is a scumbag, but he is a scumbag with a heart of gold. If he was a true scumbag, he wouldn't have come back and helped Luke and Leia, especially when they're in the middle of their Death Star battle. You know, it, it, that's the thing. It's he could like, have just left. If he was a true scumbag, he would just been like, I got your money, bye. I mean, yeah, he I'm was out like, of like, we got I'm, I'm out of here. Yeah, we, we got our money. We're good to roll, man. Let's Chewie, go. We're going we're gonna to get this bounty off our heads. We're going to be good, man. Uh, all that kind of shit. It's like, uh, okay, well, let's see. So this is uh, this is our good buddy Monique Jones. Remember how she uh, popped up uh, last time? Oh yeah, Monique. With, that was our uh, she was our feminist person. Yes. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, because they actually do the Bechtel test on this website too. This is Mediaversity News. Ooh, the Bechtel test. Yes. Um, let's see. Uh, race is an interesting element in Solo. While racial diversity isn't ignored, neither is there any thought behind how it may play into the into the way certain characters are treated and developed. Uh, neither is there any thought into how it would certain characters are treated or developed. Uh, for instance, take Val. Val is the first black woman in, in a significant role across the entire decades-long Star Wars franchise, and yet she's one of the first to die in the film. Val's death is an example of how box-ticking does not actually equate inclusion. True inclusion would allow us to see who Val is beyond just being Beckett's girlfriend. 
She would be a dis she wouldn't be a disposable black face. She would be someone we identify with on a human level. We can say the same about Emphis Nest. Uh, we know that she's a noble Hold warrior, on. but what else? Hold on, pause okay. for a second. Because <laughs> if you have a point, just just tell me to stop. <laughs> yeah, because I see the problem that they're trying to create here, and I agree. I agree to a certain extent. Don't do kind of like some of the. Actually, I was gonna say '90s movies, but '90s movies were pretty legit and diverse and. You know, pretty. It was like 2000s movies where they kind of started doing the token black person thing. Right. Without having, like, any story for it. But this isn't what Solo is. Just because a character is black doesn't mean they live through the whole movie. You know, like, I just. I don't think the people that wrote and directed this movie were like, well, you know, we just casted this great actress, but she has to live. Because this chick on what site is that? This is MediaVersityReviews.com. Because you know this site right here that's basically just like, hey, you killed a black character off. You can't do that. Uh, we shouldn't write the story to make sense. We should write it so, you know, we don't offend this this article person. You know, that I just don't like that. That doesn't help anybody. That just... If you're like, hey, you know, um, and and I love Val. Like, she she's fucking awesome in this Val's movie. Val's pretty cool. She's awesome in this movie, but the death does have have to happen to progress the story. It you, you hate it because she's such a likable character. You know, she her character's more likable than Woody Har Harrelson's character in this. But Beckett, that's the yeah. point. It's, yeah, she's more likable than Beckett, but that's the point. You know, you have to have, you know, um, you know, because he wouldn't have been that bad guy towards the end of the movie if she was still alive. Right. So that needed to happen to progress a character. And you also got to get that great piece of acting. Um, so this this doesn't help anybody. Like, like, oh, well, she can't die because... You know, obviously she's, you know, a black character and she's a woman. So, you know, we, we can't kill her off because of, uh, because this person thought that that's how the story should have went. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, this, it just doesn't seem like it's, it's something that they're not being very open-minded about how, like they're not okay just okay with having a great character put in a movie they want to actually dictate how the character's even used in the movie right like and if you want to do that i mean become a director don't become some you know online rotten tomatoes writer i mean you're doing nothing but that's the thing it's like that's the we'll we'll probably use the, this site a you know, more times, who knows? Uh, we do have another movie in here that has a female lead, a white female lead. <gasps> the devil. <laughs> Satan. Satan. <laughs> Satanos. That's Latin for Satan. Right. Oh, man. Uh, uh, I, ju I just don't know. That just seems like it's, it's, it's just not. But that's the thing. You have a woman who, who is a woman of color 
who writes from the perspective of like putting everything through like a feminist lens, right? A feminist, diverse lens. And she also has a section at the end of her reviews that mentions LGBTQ awareness, right? Like, do we have any gay characters? Do we have any trans characters? Do we have bi characters? Whatever. And that kind of stuff. <laughs> and it's like she always grades every movie based on their LGBTQ content. So if you have something like Star Wars, which doesn't really do a whole lot of sexual stuff in it's, it. It's almost sexless, you know. Yeah, like it's really... There's really not much. You have a little bit of romance with some kissing every now and then. Maybe some Han and Leia heavy petting. But, yeah, you know, but... it's not really like Star Wars doesn't have a whole ton of sex in it. So... Yeah, I would understand if the point of the movie is, you know, sexual in nature. But if it's not, if it's a sci-fi movie, you should really stay away from it because generally like hey you know she probably loves love farscape like i I like that show back in the day it had a bunch of sexuality had you know aliens it had you know you know lesbian and you know gay sex and you know all that you know everything kind of had a little bit of everything in it you know it it was just one of those sexual smorgasbord it really was (laughs) Uh, it really was and it, it was a fun show to watch but Star Wars isn't that. It's it's for kids. It's for I'm not you know I'm not saying like kids can't you know. You know, um, be involved in you know or see any of that or anything like oh they can't see that it's gross or anything. that's not what I'm saying. They just, you know it's a movie so when they're watching it they just don't want to see people making out and you know stuff like that or banging or anything like that. So it really shouldn't be anything that comes into question. There's a there's a, a channel for things like that called Logo. Yeah. If you want lesbian and gay content, there's a channel for you. One thing I will just add is like a footnote to the end of this, right? So she always has uh, – if they don't fill a certain amount of LGBTQ, then she gives them a deduction for their overall score because she counts that as something that needs to be in the movie, right? Hmm. So on here – it says uh, the Kasdans, uh, which were like Lawrence and his son. I forgot his name, the son's name. But they wrote a good chunk of the movie. I think they wrote all of the movie, if I'm not mistaken. Minus whatever um, Ron Howard did when he came in as director. But it says the Kasdans have gone on record to say that Lando is pansexual and he is shown flirting with aliens, droids, and humans alike, including Han. <laughs> Uh, his love interest in the movie is actually L3, his droid. And her death is the moment we see how much Lando cares about her. But the way in which Lando exhibits his sexual identity is an issue. It <laughs> um, uh, says, uh, uh, Indeed, Lando does keep it straight through the movie since the majority of the aliens he flirts with are female. Meanwhile, his pansexuality is used as a proxy for irresponsible hedonistic behavior rather than actually representing an underserved demographic. Again, box ticking does not equal actual inclusion. In fact, it's actively regressive here by perpetrate by perpetuating negative stereotypes of a group that sees so little representation already. Yeah. So she's going to make this review worse because it didn't include enough LGBTQ content. Yeah, Donald Glover, you you know, you, you thoughtless, insensitive bastard. Right. You've done nothing for any community, Donald Glover. Right. Donald Glover, you've done nothing. I mean, you've helped no one, Donald Glover. Right. 
do, I mean, does that even make sense to you? It's Donald fucking Glover, one of the most generous people to everything about his community and everything about anything of his culture. And you, some fucking useless writer, you know, for this is going to question someone like Donald Glover's choices because those choices on screen and solo are Donald Glover's. So you're saying he didn't do a good enough job as Lando to check off your boxes? Yeah. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, it's... The thing that gets me is it's like you're going to... And she, on her website, or on the website she works for, she gave the solo movie a D overall rating. Like, if you do it by letter grading, she gave it a D. So the thing... (laughs) Uh, there's a joke to be had there somewhere. We'll skip it. About giving somebody the D. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> how about this for including? You can include this dick. No. <laughs> LGBT this dick. Yeah. But that's the thing. It's like, you're so you're going to, you're going to take a Star Wars movie and push a lgbtq agenda when there's really nothing in there to suggest that it yeah i mean you're you're purposely rating this worse because it doesn't include stuff like that when has star wars ever included anything like that yeah i would get it if that's something that they were known for or something that they were expected to do or if it had something to do with the storyline but it doesn't it's a science fiction movie (laughs) based Mainly for kids. Yeah. So, you know... It's a space fantasy movie. So there's not really going to be a lot of, you know... You know... Hot man on sex. man action. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's not going to be just a bunch of, <laughs> bunch of ball slapping and, you know... Titties bouncing. Titty bouncing stuff going on. And, right. Uh, it's a fucking so Star So you'll Wars never movie. check that off your list in any Star Wars movie. You know, you're not going to get in the next Star Wars movie, like... Ray making out with, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, Princess Leia or anything like that, or you're not going to get like, you know, Finn and Poe banging or anything like that. You're not going to get any of that in any Star Wars because it doesn't matter in the story who's with who, you know, because they're trying to save the galaxy. So they have more important shit. Sexual identity doesn't really matter that much when the yeah. fucking galaxy it's is like, at stake. It's like, is BBA gay for R2-D2? It's like, probably, but that doesn't matter at all. <laughs> I thought BB was supposed to be a girl. Or, well... Wait, what? Is B- I, thought, I always heard that BB was supposed to be a girl, but... I mean, I, I didn't even think that it's a droid. Yeah. They have the Droids no, don't really have a They sex. don't have gender. Yeah. <laughs> they but, are a robot. But... <laughs> But see, this is what happens. People are like, no, BB's supposed to be a girl. Okay, sure. I would be like, well, you know, uh, the, the Terminator, he's he's actually transgender. It doesn't matter. He's a robot. <laughs> Played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. It, you could say whatever. Y- yeah, let's call, uh, let's call Arnold's character in Terminator transgender. Cool. Now move on because it doesn't matter because he's a robot and there's no fucking in Terminator. Right. Except the one time that the, the, the humans fucked to make John Connor. Right. That's the only fucking done in Terminator. 
Right. <laughs> I mean, even, yeah, even in, like, you know, Terminator 3, I mean, they, they don't even... They're supposed to be married at some point in the future, but they don't even do anything in that movie, like, relate, like relationship-wise. Yeah, so you, you can say whatever... I mean, it doesn't matter. You can say whatever you want to. Yeah, let's say BB-8 is transgender. What does that matter to the story? It's a fucking droid. It's a droid. <laughs> it has no dick or no vagina. Uh, it doesn't matter. I mean... It's like, okay, great, sweet. Do you, have, so we, do you have an input or do you have an output? <laughs> yeah, it's like, sweet. So we just made BB-8 and R2-D2 a couple. They're both dudes? Cool. Uh, <laughs> you know, you're going to have a love scene now? you going to have a love scene now or what? I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, I mean... It doesn't really matter. But they really couldn't fuck BB-8 because he's a ball. He just roll around all over the place. Yeah, and BB-8 was probably much younger. R2-D2 would be a pedophile. <laughs> he would basically be Louis C.K. if he <laughs> fucked BB-8. Only in this case, the you know, the, it's it's the orange one that's getting fucked in this particular <laughs> case. Exactly, and Louis C.K. is usually the orange one. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, like like Star Wars. When you're when you're talking about Star Wars specifically, it doesn't matter who's fucking who. No. Except the one time, whenever Luke and Leia were made, that's the only time that matters. And then you could say in the new generation, it's you know Han and Leia made Kylo. Yeah, that's the, so t- two of those, you know, and you can you could even you could even use your imagination with that. It's like, well, you know, maybe Leia had the dick and Han's a pussy. Sweet. <laughs> use your imagination. It doesn't matter how they were made. It's just that's not a part of the fucking story because the, the planets are being destroyed. Right. So who is you know gay or not doesn't matter that that's that's supposed to be these these movies are supposed to be the safe haven from prejudice and you know all this different type of stuff Real like world politics, you know bullshit. Yeah. star trek was kind of that you know back in the day like hey you know everybody's supposed to get along it doesn't matter what you are who you are and everything like that it doesn't matter your nationality it doesn't matter anything everyone's came good, together you serve on the ship you know that's what gene rottenberry that's why he came up with Star Trek is because uh, he wanted, you know, to unify everybody. That's why he had the first interracial kiss on TV and all that kind of stuff. I mean, they also uh, one of their most prominent officers was a Russian, which, you know, during the 1960s wasn't Russians very popular. Yeah, no. <laughs> that was during the Cold War. And like one of his you know highest ranking officers was Chekhov. Of yeah, it's Russian about officer. peace coming together. And there was some sexual stuff on Star Trek. But it it that's Kirk banging a, a lot of aliens. Yeah, it's Kirk banging a lot of aliens. Right. But you know, I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't be. It's not about that. It's about bringing people together and stop being so prejudiced and stuff like that. And I think the thing and be like, well, they have to put this in the movie because that doesn't check my box off. That's just um, that's some crazy ass shit. Actually, if you don't believe me when I say that's crazy, go back, look into some history of Hitler about how he used to do, like, uh, his art and, like, his uh, book reading and his movies. This is very close to that. He had specific things that had to happen in every bit of that. 
or he just went nuts. Yeah. And that's what everyone's doing now. So. If it does, if it doesn't check my comfort box, yeah, I get all aggravated and I want to go on Rotten Tomatoes or I'm going to go on Reddit and yeah. bitch about it. You basically Hitler. You you would you would be like, well, it's the Jews' fault. Let's kill all of them. Like that's basically what you, the, the, this this checkbox thing. Like, oh well, this has to happen in this movie, or it's just not a good movie. That's insane. Right, and you know she rated it as a D because she felt like <clears throat> it's not completely terrible. There's a few things, you know, like in the review that save it. But their entire purpose of that website is to grade everything based off of. It's racial politics, it's gender and sexual politics, and so if you're on I, if you're uh, not on IMDb, if you're on Rotten Tomatoes, and you're like, oh hey, the Han Solo movie came out, I wonder what the ranking is. If you didn't dig in and find like that particular review, <clears throat> then you would have you would have went to go see the movie and not have any idea that people were looking for this. You see her review. And you're like, oh, well, this is horrible. Like, you know, they, there are they, they no... have like one black woman in the movie and she's like the first person to die. That's horrible against black people. You know, like you just you automatically are in this like new mindset now. Yeah, but, you know, it's like. But that's the thing. If you're that's the people like uh, what, what was that article I sent you earlier? They said something like 65 percent of people like the, the majority of people before they go to watch a movie now. What is the first thing that they do? They go on Rotten Tomatoes. They go on Rotten Tomatoes. And they check the rating to see if it's like a rotten score or a fresh score. And then in the last episode, we learned that a lot of the stuff that affects the score has nothing to do with the movie itself. It's people trying to advertise other movies. Yeah, with an agenda. With an agenda. Or like this woman where they're like, every movie has to be an LGBT movie. And you Which is just as insane as you saying every movie has to only have white people in it or every movie only has to have this in it. That is insane. Right. Because not all art is supposed to be the same. If that was the case, we'd all be fucking communist. Right. You know, because it would be like as if you were doing uh, like the Vikings TV show and somebody watching it's like, yeah, there's not enough black people in this show. How many black Vikings were there? Yeah. Tell, tell, yeah, exactly. Zero. Like, you know, I was, I was, uh, I was, uh, writing some jokes earlier and stuff like that. And one of them is like, yeah, I mean, I, I can, I can see the thing where, where people want to, you know, uh, minorities want to be in more movies and stuff like that. But it was like, Hey, yeah, yeah. We want you to be in the movie. Uh, Inglorious Bastards, Jamie Foxx. Do you want to play uh Hitler? It's you, like, oh no, 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 uh, no, oh no! But you know, it'd be cool. Black guy playing Hitler, black right? Hitler, right? Yeah, yeah black Hitler. No, 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 no. You should get a wife. No, no, no. I, I want to be more diverse. I want to get black. What about Idris Elba? You want to play? You want to play Hitler in you my be, movie? You want to be Black Hitler? No, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah. No one wants to do that. <laughs> you yeah. know, there, there's just some things you just can't touch. There's, there's just some things you it, just can't it would change. Be like, it would it would almost be like somebody in Hollywood going like you know what we need we really need to just go based on pure talent so we're gonna do a movie about Malcolm X but we're gonna have Leonardo DiCaprio play Malcolm. And it's like no fuck no yeah that was no. actually what a, one of my jokes it's like I think I think but see the, that's the weird thing it's like I think people would be okay it'd be like okay we're gonna make a movie about Jeffrey Dahmer. And it's like, hey, Chadwick Boseman, you want to play Jeffrey Dahmer? Which he'd probably definitely 100% turn down. Right. But if he did play him, people would be like, okay, this is a new take on Jeffrey Dahmer. But 
if uh, Jonah Hill played Malcolm X in a movie, people would be like, what the fuck is this? This is racist. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, it, it you would can't just... Be, you, can, you, you can only be a white dude if you're playing a historical character yeah. or somebody from a historical period, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's like... Uh, uh, it, it's like the the video game that came out that uh, Kingdom Come Deliverance. Yeah. Uh, it's like it's like kind of like like a medieval fantasy RPG, but it's supposed to take place. I think it's supposed to be in Poland during the medieval times. Mm-hmm. And people were like, "There's like literally no black people in this game." And Poland. Like, How many fucking black people were in Poland in fucking medieval times? How many black people are in Poland now? Yeah. How many black <laughs> Polish people do you know of? I know none. Exactly. You don't see that. I would kind like of shit. to know. Some Polish black. If there are Polish black people out there, please email us. Please email us. Because I really want to meet you because, like, it, it's kind of like. We don't uh, hear about shit like Black that. Swedish people or something like that. Like, yeah. that, that doesn't really. That's not, not really a thing. Yeah. Like, I've never met anyone uh, from Sweden that's black. Yeah. You know? I mean, um, you don't see black Finnish people. Yeah. Well, that's because that place doesn't exist. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because we all know that like Finland doesn't Russia exist. and Japan fishing it's, it's or all, something. It's all collusion. It's just the worst <laughs> conspiracy theory ever made. Uh, okay, okay, so let's go to our next one. Our next movie. We'll do this and then we'll go and take a break. Yeah. Uh, so our next movie for this first section will be The Expendables number two. Expendables two. Uh, Stallone, Statham, Jetly, Lundgren. Uh, Chuck Norris is in it. Terry Crews, Jean Claude Van Damme's the bad guy. Uh, nice to know, Americans' action stars, no matter how old they get, will never lack for gainful employment. <laughs> oh, that's he's a bad review. Painful. Yeah, he's just being a hatist. <laughs> uh, he he's just like, hey, you know, as long as you know they make these movies, then. So let's see. Okay. Expendables 2 makes a franchise out of a novelty item and the nostalgic kick is gone. It's a reminder that most of the 80s actioneers, call them actioneers, actioneers, were xenophobic and dumb. That many of its stars had more muscle mass than charisma. Yeah, because Jean-Claude Van Damme has no charisma. Yeah, that makes sense. Or, you know, Stallone or... You know, Terry Crews is in this movie. They do know Terry Crews is in this movie. <laughs> I would hope so. I mean, you're talking about charisma. And then you, you, you know, they have no charisma. It's like, Terry Crews is in this movie. Terry Crews' that, abs have more charisma than yeah, you. That's what I'm trying, trying to body. say. Like, it's, it's, you know. Yeah, so, imagine doing a movie and you're like, hey, Terry Crews, you want to be Black Hitler? No, go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. Right? So... Uh, if you if you continue on in the uh, in the uh, the article, uh, it's uh, this is uh, from the avclub.com where you found this, and if you read on a little bit more, right, it says uh, uh, more muscle mass than charisma, and that the sight of these old fossils referring to themselves as old fossils is more pathetic than cheekily self-referential. There's nothing wrong with the no frills, two-fisted '80s action aesthetic which is uh, uh, still a relief from contemporary uh, abuse of CGI, but merely reheating it with a wink isn't enough anymore. <laughs> then what is? I mean, then what is enough anymore? Because, yeah, they are older action stars. But, I mean, it, it's really fun because they acknowledge 
they have Liam Hemsworth in this movie, and he's he's like the uh, new guy that can just run up mountains. And Statham's like, I could do that, and he's like, Do it. I, you know, I'm on the phone. Whatever. You know, he, he couldn't <laughs> he couldn't do it as good as you know. You know Liam, and then you know you have Jean Claude Van Damme, which is in you know great great shape at his age considering all the drugs and alcohol that he did back in his day like Jean-Claude is probably one of the people that's in the best shape um you know as far He's as the older like guys anymore. yeah you know cause yeah he he ended up you know he stopped doing all that uh you know Dolph he's he's in crazy shape to be as big and as old as he is and Stallone Stallone's still Stallone, but he 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 does look awful uh, because of all the steroids that he does. <laughs> I mean, it's clear, it's very very clear that Stallone does or did a, a massive amounts of steroids. Uh, <laughs> but you know, Statham he looks great. He's good in this movie. Um, uh, Terry Crews, you know, he's probably one of the younger ones in the movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a really good movie. It's fun. I mean, (laughs) if, if you don't like the eighties action stars, then don't watch this movie because it's a movie about the group of eighties action stars. Right. You know, eighties and nineties. Yeah. But it's, I think what it is a lot of times is that like when you have when you have people reviewing this that maybe aren't into action movies like this, they're going to shoot the hell out of it because they're like, "Ah, oh, it's another brain dead, muscle-bound, you know, action movie with no plot and just a bunch of explosions and guns and all this shit." And they're like, "Ah, oh, another one of these fucking expendable movies." And it's like, okay, so you're already, before you write your article, you're already biased and you, it's right. going to show through in your article. And that's one of the problems that I have with like these reviews is that they, if you're a professional reviewer and you work for a magazine, uh, a newspaper, if that shit still exists, because <laughs> I haven't seen one of them in forever. Uh, if you work just for like a, a website or whatever. And it's like you get assigned to watch like the Expendables 2, for example. And it's like, hey, I want you to do a review on Expendables 2 for the website or whatever. And you're like, oh, fuck, Expendables, man, come on. Tired of these stupid ass, like, just explosion fucking Michael Bay looking bullshit action movies. So what are you going to write when you get down and sit down to write? You're going to be bitter because you got to sit down and do this for your job. And then you're going to be like, oh, there's another fucking Stallone action movie fuck my life i hate this and it's like if you get into if you get into the reviewing world you have to be unbiased right yeah you have to like a little bit of everything right like you know we like action movies so we know what action movies are or what they're supposed to be you can't we grew up watching that shit you, you can't know? go watch an action movie and you're not really into action movies and then you're just like uh yeah you know i really you know, fuck, um, you know, <coughs> what's a really great action movie that people would just be like, screw that movie. If they don't like action movies, it'd be something like, um, 
don't know, like Rambo or something like that. They'd be like, you know, fuck that movie. That movie is this or that or whatever. I don't, I don't even know how people would criticize that movie. But, you know, you, <laughs> you would just, you really would just be like, well, I mean, do you like action movies? No, not really. And it's like, well, you, you don't understand action movies because action, action movies are the simplest thing to understand of any genre. Yeah, it's basically... How many action movies have we done that people are like, there's no plot? Yeah. And it's the, like, the plot has, doesn't have to fucking be like Inception, man. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the <laughs> fucking literal, you know, like uh, Arnold, like uh, what was Commando. Yeah. Um, there's barely a plot to that movie, but it's awesome. It's just two hours of Arnold kicking ass. What more do you need? That's what it is. It's visually what you want to see. And that's what the Expendables is. It's like, a, uh, uh, like hey, here's a group of awesome action stars. You get Dolph Lundgren. You get Sylvester Stallone. You get Jason Statham. Um, you know, you get Terry Crews. Chuck Norris shows up in the movie. You got Jean-Claude Van Damme as a villain. Do not challenge me. You know, he's got that really thick um, Belgian, uh, Belgian accent. accent. Um uh, and then uh, what's the uh, the UFC dude that's in this? Uh, uh, Randy Couture. 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 Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so you you got a bunch of good people in this movie that you get just you just get to watch kicking ass. So if you don't like action movies, don't watch action movies. But this this is a really good one. Like. Out of the Expendable movies, the first, second, and third one, the second one is my favorite one. Yeah. Wasn't the third one the one that had Rousey in it? It had Ronda Rousey in it, and then it had Mel Gibson. The yeah. only thing I didn't like... I, I like that one. Uh, the only thing I didn't like about that one is the Mel Gibson Stallone fight scene at the end. Because I don't think Stallone should have to... I don't think Stallone should get to fight the bad guys every time at the end. Like, cause you have so many people. Like, let's Statham fight them, or you know, somebody else. That's well. I mean, that's probably Stallone's ego. He's that's like, just Stallone's ego. That kind of like, irritates nah, me. No, I get little. to have the the last. Fight. I get to fight Mel Gibson. It's like, dude. I mean, honestly, could you even beat Mel Gibson? Like in real life, I don't even think so. <laughs> so here's another <laughs> thing. Just as a note, before we take our break, real quick, right? Um, if you. So this this didn't pass the LGBT test. Oh, I don't know. I didn't see that that lady come up on here for anything. Oh, because I was going to say if it didn't, I mean. <laughs> so this is another thing that kind of bothers me, right? So this uh this one was was uh written by David Hiltbrand. Mm-hmm. He works he's a top critic for the Philadelphia Inquirer of the Hiltbrand family. The Hiltbrands. Um, so on here, it says nice to know America's action stars, no matter how old they get, will never lack for gainful employment. Mm-hmm. And he gave it a two out of four and it says click to get full review. So you click on it and guess what it takes you to? It takes you to the philly.com archives and that article doesn't exist on the website. You can see on my computer right now, <laughs> that article doesn't exist on here. So, the, and this article was done in 2012. So on Rotten Tomatoes, it still shows up as like, oh, well, you can check out the full article. This guy has a whole write-up about it. 
you go to the website and Philly.com's like, yeah, it doesn't exist anymore. We we took all that off the website. So so you literally have somebody who gave this movie a shitty rating, and now you can't even read the review that explains why he gave it the shitty rating. And it's if you're going through here and you're actually trying to look at like maybe people that you trust. Nobody does that. You yeah, it's like you can't find the article anymore. So you don't know what this dude said in his full article. He could have wrote anything, gave it a two out of four rating. He could have wrote you would have like, no idea. He could have wrote the word cabbage four hundred times and you don't know what his what his fucking uh article <laughs> was. But but it still affects the Rotten Tomatoes overall ratings of this movie. And you cannot find this article now because it's gone off the website it was hosted on. And it's still uh, seven years later still affects the score. I think if you can't go back and look at the article in its original version on the website that it was posted it to, should be it should be taken again. down and the score should be adjusted. Yep. So let's That's bullshit. Let's think about this while we take our break. Yes.
And we're back. And the next movie, obviously, is Blank Man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> also known as the best superhero movie ever. We're just kidding. It's Man of Steel. Man of Steel. Uh, <laughs> if you couldn't tell from that three-minute uh, intro that we come back to. And my buns, they don't feel nothing like steel. They don't. <laughs> uh, but, but the reason that it was three minutes is because it's Hans Zimmer. you got to appreciate it. You gotta, it's a slow build. You gotta, yeah, you got to. It's a, it's a slow build thing. You can't really understand it all by cutting it off. you gotta, you got to really let them build. you got to let Hans work. Yeah. Yeah, let Hans do Hans things. Um, <laughs> so, Man of Steel, <laughs> this, uh, uh, the, 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 first one that kind of grabbed my attention was this review this is uh mara reinstein or reinstein i don't know how you say that exactly i'm gonna say reinstein uh from us weekly right <laughs> yeah okay. uh us weekly uh, it's, it's us magazine.com where this is at so you go to this and it says uh man of steel review henry cavill's action flick n- never takes flight and then you scroll down, it says uh, rating is uh, two stars out of four. Uh, the S on this Superman's chest might as well stand for supremely disappointing. Ooh, not and it clever. Says, Actually, that goes for the termless film, which plods along despite a pedigreed cast. For starters, why overcomplicate an origins tale that has held up for 75 years? And you scroll down, and it says after Same Jorah, reason we don't have to see Uncle Ben die every fucking movie. Right, yeah, sometimes... Yeah, it's like Superman's origin hasn't really been done that much, so there's still a little bit of life there. I like the way they did that in this movie, mm-hmm. where you actually get to see Krypton as it's fucking like you know, eating itself. I mean, it's falling apart. Goddamn Russell Crowe! Right. <laughs> and Michael Shannon, damn it. Um, uh, but it says after Jor El ships his baby boy from Krypton to Kansas, the story cuts to a grown Clark Kent, a bland Henry Cavill. Serving as a deckhand on a random boat. Okay, then. <laughs> you mean the boat that he saves? Right, yeah. Um, uh, and it says, uh, Disconnected flashbacks lead Clark to his planet's, uh, to his planet's Zod, uh, who, who aims to destroy Earth with secretly harvested DNA? Question mark, exclamation point. Uh, no fun costume change in a phone booth. No wowing humans with his powers and no repartee with reporter Lois Lane. Here, she's as gloomy as the obituary page in the Daily Planet. <laughs> well, that's because they made it more, more realistic. Like, why? Also, there's no telephone booths anymore. Right. Like, <laughs> so. Everything's on cell phones, man. Yeah, so there, there are no telephone booths anymore. So he's not going to do that. Right. And this version of Superman actually cares more about saving people more than uh, if someone sees him change into Superman. Like, right. This version of Superman, I feel, like, I feel like, wants to keep his identity secret, but also wouldn't give a fuck if there was something that needed to happen right there in front of everybody. Like, he'd be like, well, fuck it. They know, they'll know I'm Clark Kent now, but I have to save the world. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you well, know, so, so I almost read the entire review right there. There's only one other little section left. Well, go ahead and read that dumbass shit, dude. <laughs> uh, just for completionist sake. Yeah. Uh, even the action feels labored with the last hour devoted to people running from fireballs and getting thrown through walls. 
all by way of phony-looking CGI effects. Throughout the 143-minute opus, Clark is lectured about the importance of being a force for good in the world. Clearly, the filmmakers themselves weren't listening. So, this is one of the things that you always get cornered against when you're like, yeah, I love the Man of Steel movie. You know, Henry Cavill's awesome. It's like, oh, what about all the murders he committed? What are you talking about? Murders he committed. You mean when he was saving the planet? Whenever he had to fight Zod, that was equally as powerful? That was pushing him through buildings? And then you always hear the argument, why couldn't he just fly him off somewhere safe to fight? Like in space or somewhere where there was no population. I'm pretty sure if it was that easy, he would have done it. But... <laughs> That's the thing that always gets me. It's like, oh, yeah, he's just going to, like, what, what, grab Zod by his ear? It's like, come You want to go take this outside? Let's go take it over here Let's where there's the no people. Fight, Zod is terraforming the world. He's trying to kill every human on the planet. A couple thousand people getting destroyed in buildings isn't significant at all to what the plot of the story is. Understand what the movie's about. It would literally be, look. Star Wars destroys planets in almost every one of their trilogies. Yeah. And no one's like, well, then fucking, you know, uh, uh, Luke's the villain because he let a planet be destroyed. How is that his fault? It's like, for the people who bring that up, it's like, okay, at the time that Tarkin destroys Alderaan, Luke is on a fucking spaceship. And... How is he supposed to be able to stop that? Superman has barely learned his powers at this <laughs> point, and he's supposed to take on Zod, who is a general, for like, in my mind, like a hundred years or something. Like, Probably he's, longer he, than that. I don't know yeah. how long Kryptonians live. I don't know how long they live, but he's been a general for a long time. He did a military coup. He took over the entire fucking planet. <laughs> the only person that could stop him was Jor El, and you know he did. But then they, they banished him to the Phantom Zone, which made the bent he he lived through the apocalypse, and then he came for a cow who's never really had to fight anybody because his dad didn't want him to. Right. Because he thought, you know, the government would probably come take his son and kill him. Right. Or experiment on him or something. Yeah, or experiment on him or, you know, make him a slave. But I mean or he something. grew up on a fucking farm. That's what that's what his mom and his um, you know, his earth mom and dad were. You know, they, they're from, like, a farm in Kansas. He's a yeah. farm boy. He's never had to fight anybody like Zod, who's led an entire military for generations. So, you know, I'm, I'm sorry if this sounds insensitive, but if Superman had to destroy all of New York to save the planet, it's worth it. I mean, it's... It's a planet over a city. Actually, what happens in this movie is it's a planet over four or five buildings right you know he saved the he saved the world from getting terraformed which would have killed every single human on the planet yeah because he's trying to he's trying to convert even the gravity of earth to the the gravity of krypton he's trying to change earth into a new version of krypton because there's that whole sequence that he sees where uh, I think it's like his dad talking to him through um, the uh, through the computer and the ship, and he was like, you know, he's like the Kryptonians would go out and we'd colonize these planets, right, right, and we right, would right. Terraform it 
to make sure that it was good for Kryptonian people and we could live there and we would colonize these new planets, moons, But they were terraforming planets that didn't have anyone there. That were empty. And Zod's trying to terraform a planet where people are there that have just life. to take it out on... Uh, on Cal. On Cal. Jorel, actually. This is revenge on Jorel. Yeah, it's like, so well, it's I'm like, going to oh, destroy you your son's planet. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, is vengeance for him. It's yeah. not, like, literally, you know, like, th that's the thing. Like, literally, Zod could have just, like, took it to Mars or something and made that Krypton or something like that. That was his fault. He, he, he wanted to destroy Earth because that's where Cal, or Jor, sent Cal. Yeah. So he just wanted vengeance. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> that 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 is that is um, sadistic. But see that article, right? That article is very short, and if you read that, you don't really have any context. We just explained way more context than they ever did in this article, right? The other thing too is that throughout this article and the, each of these little sections, you have little. Uh, they want you to look at their pictures, right? They have these right. pictures on here. So you click on a thing that's called Steely Stars, right? And I don't know exactly what it's supposed to be, but the first picture is Chris Hemsworth. Just a picture of Chris Hemsworth <laughs> in like a button-up shirt and, a, and, you know, and, and glasses. Then you have a picture of uh, Ashley Simpson with her, uh, I guess it's like part of her family and her dog. And then there's another one that's like Kesha. Uh, hosting a uh, like a uh, like a dinner party thing uh, in Chicago and, and all this kind of stuff and then you scroll down there's like Lady Gaga with her boyfriend in the rain and then you know there's like a, a picture of um, Hillary Duff um, the Mario Lopez dude from Saved by the Bell eating a salad and drinking tea like and then you get down here and then and then the thing that made me laugh out loud was there's a uh, there's a, a a picture here of uh, Jessica Biel like on like what looks like a pier somewhere uh, walking two dogs. Yeah. So they're they're like, okay, the Man of Steel review. Don't really worry about that. We want you to look at these picture galleries of Jessica Biel walking around her dogs. That's really what we want you to do because we get an extra click if you click on these pictures. This has nothing to fucking do with Superman mm -mm. at all. <laughs> look Not at, at this. All. Look yeah, at this I shit, Steve. I see it. Look at this shit. Mario Lopez eating a salad and drinking tea. Is that related to Superman? That's some delicious looking tea. It is some delicious looking tea. That salad doesn't look bad either. You know, Hillary Duff. Hillary Duff looks like a snack, but it doesn't belong in something that's related to fucking Superman. Toss her salad too. Not <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of salad tossing. But this, Drake? Is, the, no. this <laughs> is the Superman review. And inside the Superman review, they've got these stupid photo galleries. This has nothing to fucking do with Superman. It's just clickbait. It's clickbait. This is clickbait of the highest order. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. So, moving on, we're going to go to oh. Ted 2. Yes. Uh, okay. So, one of the critics, Allison Wilmore. This is Bud, Bud, Butt Feed? A Buzz Feed. Okay. Butt Feed? Uh, <laughs> I would love to see. I wonder if is there actually a website called I would that? not type in uh, Butt should Feed. Should I Google it? No, just you should not. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure recording. it's going to take you to a porn site. It's probably going to be porn. Yeah. Um, Being uh, awful. Steve's entire network. <laughs> <laughs> Being awful is still no, uh, 
Being awful is still no substitute for being funny, but Seth MacFarlane's Talking Teddy Bear sequel does manage some laughs anyway. That was a bad review. <laughs> okay. They're like, eh, it's shit, but it's still getting you a couple laughs. <laughs> You'll laugh. You'll laugh because that teddy bear is fucking funny. And Mark Wahlberg is funny. <laughs> I guess that was their point. I guess. Seemed like the UK hated this fucking movie a lot. And that's the thing, it's like, usually British people are pretty good with humor because, you know, a lot of your really good comedians are British. You know, there's a lot of really good British comedians, but, I mean, hell, just look at, like, anybody who came out of Monty Python. I mean, they all had great careers, you know? Yeah, I mean... Uh, let's see... Because the thing about doing these episodes is we're doing this kind of like on the fly. We don't really prepare what we're going to read, really. We just find interesting shit and go. Okay, there's a guy named Jay Olson from Cinemixtape. I guess this is Jimmy Olson. Uh... So, the best scene in Ted 2 is a straight-faced, Broadway-style opening credits dance sequence that has nothing to do with the story at large. The best joke in Ted 2 isn't resolved until after the film's end. And you guessed it, has nothing to do with the story at large. Then again, the Ted series doesn't really have anything to do with anything. A hallmark of its creator, Family Guy mastermind, Seth MacFarlane. <laughs> well, this guy has a crutch. Uh, The comedian has made a fortune on haphazard plotting, strange uh, non-sequenters, and a poor hit-to-miss ratio, always batting for power, not average. Yeah, bad, you know, bad uh, ratio, family guy. One of the most successful um, uh, TV series of all time. Uh, In in that way, his latest is uh, prototypical. What you see is what you get sequel, you know, because Seth MacFarlane's so predictable, you know. That guy, just, you know, so average. He just, uh, you know. You're not going to get anything out of a Seth MacFarlane movie that you wouldn't get out of any, um, you know, Andy Griffith TV show. Uh, Right. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, Han... Full of big laughs, a lot of dead air, and surprising own only one account. How, just how damn McFarlane it is. This dude is not a good writer. Uh, <laughs> what is Ted, the name of this site? This site is called Cinemixtape. Cinemixtape, okay. <laughs> they are, they're soon to be called Cinema Out of Business. <laughs> uh, Ted 2 sees all of the writers, directors, worst uh, proclivities front and center as shaggy and undisciplined as ever. The titular. Um, he wrote it weird, so I just felt like over exaggerating. Oh, okay. Uh, Teddy Bear, once again, voiced by McFarlane. Like, he, he, he kind of wrote that like he had a problem with it. It was voiced by McFarlane again. I mean, who the fuck else was going to voice it? Yeah. David Spade, actually, that'd be pretty funny. Is back to <laughs> just imagining Ted's like body with David Spade's voice. 
Is just imagining how much of just like just a straight like uh like sarcastic asshole mm-hmm. that he can be. That'd be a really interesting like version of Ted. As as a sar- sarcastic and dickish as he's he is with Seth MacFarlane's voice, I think it would be like too much if those Davis Bay's You'd like, be, like, be like it's just the sar- I'm this, drowning in the sarcasm here. This this bear is an asshole. Right. <laughs> Which he is an asshole and you know, the other ones too. Uh, uh, let's see. Where was that? Well, I'll just skip all this shit. Um, does he say anything else that's even good? Okay. It seems like the pick is aware of its own narrative, uh, list, uh, listlessness. That's a hard thing to say. Listlessness. Yeah. Uh, front loading its first 30 minutes with jokes in an attempt to outrun the uninspired story that unspools over the next 90. Uh, Giovanni Rabisky reprises his memorable turn as a creepy antagonist, Donnie, but to no avail. You know, because Giovanni Rabisky is just garbage. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> you suck, Giovanni Rabisky. <laughs> We're just playing, actually. Y'all. <laughs> You're amazing. I, just, I, I can't really read anymore. This is Jimmy Olsen. Uh, I mean, he's just Might not well really. Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, he's just not. I mean, he even disses a million ways to die in the West in here. So clearly, he's just not a, a, a Seth MacFarlane fan, uh, which is fine if you don't like Seth MacFarlane. But I would suggest not write like a four-page review on him if you're just not a fan. Right. Yeah, and I know there's a lot of people who don't like MacFarlane's Seth, you know, Mac, MacFarlane's comedy. It w- it would be shocking to me if someone was like, you know. Who everyone in the world loves, other than Seth MacFarlane, is Trey Parker and Matt Stone. I mean, those guys are universally loved. Anytime, this is a fact. Anytime you do comedy, someone is going to hate your comedy. Yeah, that is how many, a fact. How many comedy movies have we done, and we literally find hate for every single yeah. comedy movie that we do? There is no comedian in the world, and there's no comedian that's ever existed. That was universally loved by anyone. Probably the, the like, I would say probably the two most loved would probably be George Carlin and Richard Pryor. George Carlin was very hated, and Richard Pryor was very hated too. And two they're of considered the two, two of the most loved. Well, yeah, I mean, you're talking about two of, two of the best comedians. Right. But George Carlin was very hated by a bunch of people. Uh, and he because didn't he didn't bullshit people. He and told Richard you Pryor was super hated by a lot of people. Right. But also, one of the greatest comedians of all time. We, I just I just name dropped two legends. Those are two legends. Two of the greatest. It's something like you'll find people that hated Chris Farley. You'll find people. Uh, that, Robin Williams. You know that hate Robin Williams. You'll Will you know, Ferrell. Yeah, Will Ferrell. You'll find people that Sandler. You know, yeah, Sandler. I mean. Basically, you could almost name any comedian. Jim Carrey. Well, I could just go through a list. <laughs> you know, you you could even like name some of the people that are like, um, what you'd consider like clean comedians, like Jeff Foxworthy. You'll you'll find people, like, there's actually no real reason to hate Jeff Foxworthy. If somebody doesn't like Jeff Foxworthy, I will take my shirt off right now. We'll fucking fight. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just saying, like, there's there's no legit reason in any of his comedy why you should hate him like literally he's the most neutral comedian 
probably in the planet. Yeah. But there are people that hate Jeff Foxworthy. And you know why? And you know why I think some people hate Foxworthy is because they think he's just the redneck jokes guy. If yeah. you listen to his stand-up, and I've listened to I think almost every stand-up that he's done as an album or a CD, because uh, I, I fucking love me some Jeff Foxworthy. Uh, he only does the redneck jokes like at the very end or at towards the-, the end, and a lot of times he's like. He was like, I do have some redneck jokes for you guys. He was like, but, you know, I have other stuff that I'm going to do, too. He was like, but I do have some redneck jokes. And everybody thinks that he just does nothing but redneck jokes. No, he doesn't. No, he I've, does a lot of storytelling. I've heard stand-ups with him where he does no redneck jokes. Yeah. He doesn't even bring it up. Yeah. You know, it's like the redneck jokes thing, it, that kind of became like his, you know, calling card. Like, that was the thing that... People kind of were expecting this to hear every time yeah. they went to one of his shows. It's the same thing with like Larry the Cable Guy and like you know, get, you know, her, get done. her done. That's right, and you know, it'd be like, Lord, he... Lord bless all the pygmies, you know, and like all that kind of stuff. Like people got used to doing that, and it's like Larry's stand up is way more than just get her done. That's right, yeah. You know, like he is. his stand up is really good. Like if you ever watch like you know the the um the the group where it's like Engvall Foxworthy. Uh, Ron White and Larry, the blue comedy, the whole blue collar yeah. group, like as a group, uh, you. It's one of my stand my, that's one of my favorite stand up shows to ever watch, like on, on TV or on like a mm-hmm. DVD or something like that. Because the, that was like, was that HBO that did that? I think it was or HBO. Showtime? It was like two hours long. Yeah, because everybody kind of got like a half hour set. And then it, to well, do. well, at the end of it, they all kind of sit down together. And, and then they kind of do each other's jokes bullshit. a little bit and stuff. Bullshit and, and tell stories. Yeah. Bullshit and tell stories, and it's really, really great. It's one of the best, you know. It's it's like that one, and then the the well, any Dave Chappelle stand up, and then the the original. This is kind of confusing. The original, uh, the original original Kings of Comedy. Because oh, yeah. there's like multiple versions of. The original kings of comedy. Harvey, D.L. Hughley, yeah. Cedric the Entertainer, and what was the other one? Who was the fourth guy? Bernie Mac. Hugh- yeah, yeah. Bernie, it was Bernie yeah. Mac, D.L. Hughley, Cedric the Entertainer, and Steve Harvey. Yeah. That that was fucking great. The whole show was great. Because there's, there's multiple versions of the original kings of comedy, but the original one was that. Right. And that, that movie, right, that... Um, that DVD or whatever or CD, if Special. you want to listen to it, is one of the best ones, like uh, ever. Yeah. So that that's a really good one because it's really hard these days to get comedians to get in groups anymore. Yeah. And do specials together, you know. So whenever that happens, it's always really magical. Like you can't really get like. Hey, let's get like Chris Rock and you know Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence and you know uh, Dave Chappelle to go on tour together and all do the you you couldn't do it. But if you did, it'd be amazing. Even even the people that like ran with Cat Williams, I mean, they couldn't stay. No one could do anything with Cat Williams. The dude, the dude's funny as hell, but he's the worst. He's like one of the worst people like ever. Like, I heard he was like difficult to, to do tours yeah, with. Yeah, like he's just a horrible person. Like he's just uh, always hitting women and getting drunk and high. Is, is that why uh, you don't see much from Cat Williams anymore? Yeah, yeah. Because Cat Williams there for like about four years was like was like the dude. 
You know, he was like the well, he's guy. he was arrested multiple times for being on drugs, and then he was arrested mul- like a bunch of times for hitting women. Oh, man. Well, that sucks because that dude's super talented and couldn't get his personal life mm. in order. Uh, one thing I'll add on since we're still on Ted here for a sec. Yeah. Uh, so it says um, uh, this is on Vanity Fair. Uh, what's the what's this person's name? I already clicked on the thing, so I didn't see. Richard Lawson from Vanity Fair. Right. And uh, it says, I'm going to end this review the same way I ended my review of the original Ted movie. You killed yourself. (laughs) No, not with a ludicrously wrong-headed prediction that the movie will be a flop, but with the suggestion, perhaps even an urging, that McFarlane stop resisting, that he stop couching his love of old Hollywood mechanics and all all that anti-PC posturing. And just make a screwball romantic comedy he so clearly wants to make, uh, or the musical, or Mister or Mister McFarlane goes to Washington, whatever it is, he can always go back to the Family Guy stuff afterwards if he wants. Ted Two strains to be the synthesis of those two halves of what made McFarlane famous and his deeper creative temperament, and there are moments uh, when the tonal zing- zigging and zagging works. Uh, but they are ultimately warring impulses, and the dorm room comedy routine too often wins. So leave that shit at home next time, Mr. McFarlane, and let the other Seths sing. I would, uh, I would watch McFarlane go to Washington. <laughs> that would be, yeah. Yeah, I would actually watch that movie. Um, I mean, but the this thing is, is a guy that can barely write. A movie review trying to tell Seth MacFarlane, one of the greatest uh, uh, animators and voice actors of, of our all, generation, of our generation, like he's he is the next, you know. There, there's, there's a, um, there's a process to this. You have like, you know, uh, Hank Arzari, then you have hey, like Hank Azaria, yeah, yeah, from then you uh, have Simpsons. like Trey Parker and Matt Stone, and then you have like Seth MacFarlane. These are the the apex people that kind of grow each generation's childhood compared to guy I literally just forgot his name that wrote that article and I could care less about. So let's weigh it. Who wins? Yes, you guessed it. Seth MacFarlane. This movie was funny as hell. What's the point of movies is to entertain comedies don't even have to make sense that's what's fun about comedies they don't have to they can you know if you're judd apatow um <laughs> basically he's, and he's judd all, apatow has his own hate because of his style of movie yeah he makes too much sense probably it's like we'll just have fun with it you're trying to make it too much of a story right you know that's that's most of the people that that the have a the, problem with judd apatow because the kevin smith haters that are like oh fuck his universe yeah. Fuck his overlapping movies and all this stuff. And it's yeah. like, you, you're just being a hater because you don't have that kind of imagination. Yeah, he's making a movie to, called Moose Jaws. Yeah, because that is fucking hilarious. <laughs> but uh, now, one thing, when you said Hank Azaria, did you mean Matt Groening? No, I meant Hank Azaria. You meant, actually meant Hank I Azaria. I meant Hank Azaria. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm like, Matt Groening is like... I know Matt Groening created yeah. <laughs> the Simpsons. I wasn't talking about the creator of The Simpsons. I was talking about... Just so, like, well, to me personally, I know, Hank Azaria is fucking talented though, so I'm with you on that. That, that that's what I meant. I, I, I meant voice acting Hank, wise. Yeah, I was talking. I was talking voice acting, because um, Matt Groening can't do what 
you know, in in my opinion, you know, the the Simpsons had multiple great uh, voice actors on that show that made it as good as it is and That's as good as it is it still. Hank <laughs> Hank Azaria is is probably the best like <laughs> he does like seven voices on that show consistently and he still does them to yeah. this day even though he's he does so much other stuff right like you know and i'd even put he like pops up um, movies from time to time you know i'd even you know throw uh seth green into the the argument of you know great voice actors and oh stuff yeah like seth that. green um, yeah definitely uh you know, Robot Chicken. Robot Chicken with with his buddies and too. Family Guy. Yeah. Brecken and Myers, one of his good Brecken buddies. Brecken Myers, yeah. Brecken Myers. Yeah. The be- the better of the Myers. <laughs> uh, and Josh Myers was awful in that seventies. We show. love you, Brecken. <laughs> Brecken, you're the man. You're the man. <laughs> yeah, but the, it's it's just uh, you know Seth MacFarlane is is it's really if you're gonna argue about Seth MacFarlane, you're gonna have to bring a little bit more than a half ass written article that's kind of shitty to the 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 thing that uh, the thing i would say about the thing about criticizing something like ted it's literally a story where a fucking teddy bear comes to life and so it it criticizes itself during the movie and it has patrick stewart make fun of it before the movie even starts so you're kind of at a disadvantage because they already stole your thunder it's self-aware of what it is. Right. It knows that it's ridiculous because it's a fucking teddy bear that came to life. Yeah, so it's it's like if a critic makes, uh, like, sits there and writes, like, a essay about fucking Don't Mess With the Zohan or something by Adam Sandler. Yeah. You think Adam Sandler gives a fuck? He knows how ridiculous that movie is. Right. Why do you think he cares that you sat there and spent a week to write an essay to criticize it? He doesn't because it doesn't fucking matter. Well, the other thing I think in, in terms of like the Sandler example like that, because we just covered Billy Madison not long ago. And the thing is, is that Sandler, while he's out making movies and doing his thing, you're on the internet criticizing him and you don't have the career that he does. Do you think anything that you write is going to make Sandler go, oh, you know what, I probably should write different stuff. If you watch a Happy Madison production, you pretty much understand what you're getting. If you watch anything done by uh, Fuzzy Door, which is Seth MacFarlane's you know, company, who you know, because he's done fucking American Dad, which is a classic. I, I seriously laugh at every single American Dad episode I've ever watched. I've never watched an episode of American Dad and went like, eh, that was kind of a shit episode. Every Roger's episode has character. made me laugh. My favorite character is Roger. Roger is the yeah. best. And if I your do favorite like, character isn't Roger, my, my favorite character is... I do like the uh, fish. Um, my favorite character is Roger and Haley. Haley? Yeah, Haley is cool. I love Haley. What's the uh, the fucking the German fish? Is it... What's his name? Uh, Klaus. Klaus, the fish. I like Klaus. I like Klaus. He's cool. Roger's like Roger. the best character, though. Roger, Roger yeah. definitely is the best character, and then I, I like Haley because she's kind of like the 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 anti. She's anti her dad. Yeah, she's like the complete opposite. Of she's Stan. the complete opposite, so I think that makes the episodes fun. Yeah, um, and then there are some times when they actually do kind of like see eye to eye. 
Yeah. You know, because like, say something happens to Haley, then Stan's like, "That's my baby girl." No one's gonna do that. Oh to yeah, my baby he'll girl. he'll kill a motherfucker. Yeah, he'll he, kill he a motherfucker. He has killed motherfuckers for his family. For his like, family, yeah. Before he's killed people which, for Roger, everybody. Yeah, you know, he's uh, killed a lot of people for Roger actually, because he he he's a CIA agent that has an alien that lives with him in his house that was yeah. for, you know escaped from Area Fifty One, or he, he took him from Area Fifty One mm-hmm. and brought him home. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's like. The whole thing is like, so you've got Family Guy, which is one of the, when they brought it back, is one of the highest rated shows on Fox. That's why it constantly gets renewed. Right. Uh, American Dad, which is like right up there in ratings compared to it. Uh, And then, you know, he made the Cleveland show. I know people shit on the Cleveland show. It wasn't as funny as some of the other stuff because it was. I don't think they understood what to do with their characters necessarily. They, I still laughed at a lot of the Cleveland Show episodes. It is funny. And but I watched all of the them. The thing with the Cleveland Show is there was nothing different about the Cleveland Show than there was the Family Guy. Right. So if people had to choose between Family Guy and Cleveland Show, they just chose Family, Family Guy, Guy because that's been there. They should have made the Cleveland Show different than Family Guy. Pretty dramatically different, yeah. But they made it exactly the same. They had even the same characters. They kind of even set the family up the same. They just made them black. Right. And it's like, the shows aren't different. And it's not a black or white thing. It's just, if you make the shows similar, Family Guy's going to win. Because Peter's a more ridiculous person. Than Cleveland And then Stewie. Yeah. And And Stewie's better better than Rollo. And I like Rollo. Rollo made... You know, Cleveland Stewie's show, better than Rollo, and then Brian is like the apex animal on any fucking cartoon show. I mean, because it's actually just basically Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, that's what Brian is. It's even it's even just his normal speaking voice. Yeah, that's his normal speaking voice, which originally it was supposed to be someone else playing Brian. That's a actually very known actor. I, I, I'm drawing a blank, but I remember. Actually, I think yeah, it was supposed to be David Spade. Was it supposed to be Spade? And he was just like... Back to David Spade. <laughs> and he was just like, no. Yeah, I'm not going to do this. And then Seth MacFarlane was like, I'll do it myself. Well, shit, I guess I'll just be... Because basically the character of Brian is, is written to be Seth MacFarlane's brain through the show. It's his personal views. Well, all of technically yeah. all of it is. Yeah. I mean, you know, Peter's like, this is as ridiculous as I can get as a person. <laughs> This is like fantasy Seth MacFarlane, and Stewie's like, this is evil Seth MacFarlane, and then Brian's like, this is actual Seth MacFarlane. Right, yeah. So this At like, the normal yeah. level, yeah. So it's, it's just kind of like a constant therapy. But yeah, all right. So we're going to take a break here. Take a break, And then yeah. we're going to come back, and then we're going to talk about our last two movies, and then, you know, you guys give us money. Thank you. <laughs> We gotta pay bills. <laughs> Steve's got kids. I don't. I just. I just like money for. He have. He has kids, of the PlayStation. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta get games for the Switch. I just bought a Switch. I need. We need money. I have to buy more, Switch games. <laughs> he has two games for the Switch. We need more games for the right, Switch. We need more games for the Switch. So please donate. Listen to all of the ads. Okay, we'll be right back. <laughs> we gotta get Marvel, Marvel off Ultimate Alliance. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> 
And we're back. So now we are talking about uh, one of my favorite movies, the original Underworld. Kate Beckinsale. It's vampires. It's werewolves. You know what to expect. But uh, <laughs> some people don't understand this movie at all. <laughs> so uh, this review right here is uh, from uh, timeout.com. Uh, what is the what is the person's name that wrote this? Does it does it actually say? His name's Time's Up. <laughs> no, it doesn't say. It's just it's just just from the website, but it doesn't give any credit as to like who wrote this. So I don't know. It was uh somebody at timeout.com. So <laughs> before you read that, I I got a funny one. It's like this guy named Scott Van Dovacken. It says Dark Shadows for the PlayStation 2 generation. Right. Yeah, I, I did see that. That one kind of made me laugh. What was what's his name? Dovahkiin? Is he the Dragonborn? Dovahkiin, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am the Dragonborn. So you! Fusroda! Scott Van Van Doviak? Scott Van Doviak? And then uh, Andrew, Andrew O'Hara. Uh, by any, any reasonable standard, this dark vampire epic, all massive... Over our overacting cologne commercial design and sexy cat suit sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So whenever people are writing like a review and they have like this weird, like run on thing that they're tacking onto it mm-hmm. like that, you're trying to pay attention more to that than you are the point, And then you lose the point and you're right. like, fuck this article. I don't care anymore. So, not only did they rate the movie badly, but then they wasted your time because of how badly it's written. Yeah. It's, because it's then you're like, fuck it, bad. I don't care. It's just written by, by an idiot. Yeah. You, know? you do a review and you put a dash in it, it's not a good review. <laughs> not a good sign. You want to know why? I'll tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Simon. <laughs> Let's let's do the. It's time to figure out those ups and downs. Time I give up. that a brown down. <laughs> that one you just read got a brown down. It's time to up those downs. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so like on the timeout.com, it says um, vampires and vampires and werewolves. Yeah, you got you gotta read it like Brittany Murphy. Anytime vampires. you read it. Anytime you read a this is, this should be law. Right. Anytime you read a review about a vampire movie, you have to read it like Brittany Murphy. Yeah, vampires. from Clueless. Right, uh, vampires and werewolves <laughs> get a <laughs> get a Matrix-like millennial makeover in this unexpectedly adventurous fantasy flick. Uh, and then it says like under the streets of Budapest, Lucian. Uh, you know, it's talking about some of that stuff. I'm gonna skip through that because that's just kind of story stuff. Um, you've seen the movie, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully you've seen the movie. Underworld has a surprisingly strong narrative with a defined theme, which is hatred, subte- subtext, which is class division, and, and miscegenation. I'm not exactly sure what that word means. I'd have to look it up. Did he uh, mean like mis? No, he didn't. No, because no. misogynistic or misogyny. I know what that means, but. No, I'm trying. I'm trying to say that he just did. He, did he just misspell an entire word? No, I think that's an actual word. Is it okay? Uh, I just don't know what it means. 
and a resourceful complex heroine in fetish gear and kinky boots. Pretty sexy if you don't mind the undead thing. You can spot the baddie by the way he keeps trying to get Celine to change into a posh frock. <laughs> no quibbles about the movie's desaturated uh, moonlight camera work either. But first time director, uh, the interbreeding of people considered to be of a diff different racial type. Oh, okay. So that's kind of like how the vampires, like if you're in like the high group, you don't mess with like the low end vampires yeah. or the recently turned. So it's a good word. Okay. It's so that, word. that, so that makes sense in the context of this because, uh, like Craven, he won't, he won't have anything to do with the blunt headed vampire because he wants Celine because Celine is the daughter of That's an elder. Oh. Well, she's also smoking. It's Kate Beckinsale. Come on. Yeah. But he won't go with the other girl because she's too low class for him. You know, he feels like if Celine is his bride, then that will give him that closer to being an elder. And it's like, no, nah, not compared to Victor, dude. Come on. And she's also not actually blood related to Victor. If you, you know, <laughs> spoilers, in case you never watched Underworld. But anyway... Uh, uh, this movie came out in 2003, I think. 2003. Spoilers doesn't have to be said in this. Right. Um, Unless uh, you were like Brendan Fraser and Encino, man. Right. But, uh, but first-time director Wiseman comes from ads and music videos, and it shows in the variable performances an unmodulated, bombastic tone. Every scene is pitched at the same exhaustingly hyper tempo. It was probably a mistake to complete... Uh, to compete with mega-budget action movies, too. By arming their horror icons with automatic weapons, the makers shoot themselves in the foot. These vampires have no teeth. Hell, they don't even fly. Huh. <laughs> uh, so, okay, this is one of the things that always pisses me off whenever people, you know, cover, like, vampire-type lore, right? Um, a, not everything has to follow a certain like uh archetype or pattern like one of the things that like everybody always talks about like in like vampire vampire movies is <laughs> that you know you uh, the thing that really kills them is like or that repels them is having the cross and then you get to the blade movie and he was like crosses and holy water don't do dick so he was like, you have to go with garlic, you have to go with silver, things that cause a chemical reaction. Well, see, the thing about vampires is you can kind of make up your own rules because they're not real. Right. <laughs> and, you know, the thing about all of this is that vampires don't exist. I so, mean, in Twilight, they they go in the sun. The, their consequences of going in the sun is they twinkle like diamonds. Uh, shine bright like a diamond. <laughs> they, don't, they don't actually die. They just they get prettier and you're like oh shit that's not a regular person that's a like a diamond guy <laughs> no i mean no comment on why that happens but you know in in blade you can wear sunscreen and go out right. but you know normally that that wouldn't work because sunscreen's just some lotion i mean it shouldn't work but that's its own thing it works in, in the blade universe yeah and then you, you know you have um you know you have stuff like uh you know just like bram stoker's dracula where he can't like uh he he actually can go out in the sun because he does go out in the day in bram stoker's dracula if he's fed he can yes yeah he can go out there and not die so 
there's a bunch of different versions because it's fiction. Right. And you can and that's the thing about the underworld movies is that like when you go back to like even the medieval times like during Rise of the Lycans, they use horses, they have swords, they have shields, they have armor. You know, they do use their vampire powers, but they have, like, medieval weaponry because it makes sense for the time. Right. This movie is supposed to take place in the 2000s. So they have, you know, Celine, you know, grabs the camera because it has, you know, footage of Michael on it. She wants to figure out what the what the, the werewolves are looking for. Why are they looking for this guy? Right. Why is he important? So she snatches up the camera, which is a Sony camera, by the way. Product placement. So she grabs the camera up, and then she takes it back, and she's on her computer, and she's, like, you know, looking at stuff. And it's like, you know, they do have automatic weapons because, you know, it, it, you, if you're fighting fucking, like, hordes of werewolves, you're not going to fire at them with, like, a musket. You're not going to attack them with a sword. No, you're just going to fucking spray and pray. You know? <laughs> like, seriously. Like, but that's the thing. Like, people, when they watch these movies, they're like, this doesn't live up to the vampire tropes that I know. It's like, well, fuck your vampire tropes. This is a different universe. They have different rules here. This isn't Van Helsing, which she was also in, but... Yes. Hugh Jackman represent... She dies in that fucking movie. Fuck that... No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But that's the thing. It's like, people always kill me with that because they're like, well, this isn't my vampire lore. And it's like, well, then if if you want to have your own vampire lore, you write your own fucking story. Quit criticizing Len Wiseman for his version of it. Okay, and what is your vampire lore? What movie did you actually watch that is your vampire lore? Because there's, there's like, thousands of vampire movies, man. Like, you can even go back to, like, the the Hammer horror movies from, like, back in the 70s? Yeah. Fucking, um... But True Blood, that's its own take on vampirism. Right, yeah. That's, That's its own take... That's like the vampires trying to be integrated in with humans. They literally sell a drink that's called True Blood in stores, but, you know, vampires like to eat people. So sometimes that doesn't work very well. So (laughs) That's one take. Then you have the Blade universe. You have the Underworld universe. You know, what's uh, the Lost Boys? You have the Lost Boys, which is probably the best universe. (laughs) They should have you know, made a they they should have made a they should have made a cinematic universe for the Lost Boys. Well, like the Lost Boys and Blade and True Blood and Underworld all intertwined. Oh man. Imagine fucking Celine as a death dealer like going after somebody <laughs> like Keith Sutherland's character, uh, Keith Sutherland. Yeah, going yeah. after Keith Sutherland's <laughs> character. That's what I was trying to think. I was like just imagine her, like, going after, like... Because he wouldn't have followed her physically. He would have just been trying to go psychological war with her. Yeah. It would have been a different fight for Celine. She would have been like, yeah. I've got a fight. And he would have been just like, oh, what are you doing? You know, he would, he would have just, like, he would have done the psychological battle. And then it would have definitely been cool to see Blade in that universe. <laughs> if Blade and Celine existed in the same universe, all vampires would be dead. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They would have killed everything. (laughs) Especially, like, once Selene is, you know, basically, like, she's bitten Alexander Corvinus, and she has, you know, like, she's, she has the blood of the the first, you know? Yeah. And that kind of stuff, like, coursing through her body, and she basically has, you know, like, she can go into the sunlight now, and she does not get killed by it. Uh, So she's 
basically turns into a daywalker because of that. Yeah. As soon as she gets that, if you had Celine at that point with Blade, fuck everything. It's just game over. Yeah, vampires are dead. The werewolves are dead. Fucking, they're the only two that are going to survive. And if they made babies, holy shit. <laughs> you know who could have been their daughter? Fucking Zoe Kravitz. Zoe Kravitz as, like, Blade's daughter that he had with Celine. Mm. That's I'm gonna write that. I'm gonna write a fan fiction that's gonna be there. <laughs> Just Zoe Kravitz as yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. as uh, Blade and uh, Celine's daughter. Yeah, okay. that'd be, I can see that. Can yeah, see that. that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Um. I partially because I just want to see uh, Zoe Kravitz in like an underworld Blade type of movie because mm. I think maybe she'd be maybe good at it should it. be in another Blade movie. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Marvel, bring back Blade. Seriously. What Wesley season Snipes. doesn't jail anymore? And he probably doesn't look that much different than he did back in 99. Bring back Wesley Snipes with his new protege. Don't reboot it because I heard the thing where it was like, uh, people were like, uh, screw Wesley Snipes. Let's have that Marshana Ali guy. It's like, no, 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 not screw Wesley Snipes. Let's continue this. Yeah, that would be pretty awesome. I'd love to see Wesley Snipes and Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange in the same universe. Bring... Bring back, I, for, I forget what they called that group, but it was something awesome because it was like Doctor Strange and Blade and a bunch of like awesome dark people. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I, know you're ta- I know what you're talking about and I can't it, think of I forget what it's group. called, but Blade was part of it and Doctor Strange was and all that. Yeah. Ghost, it was like Ghost Rider. Ghost and, Rider. Yeah, all the, yeah, the Punisher and yeah, it was just some dark, a whole group of dark fucking people. Yeah. And it was awesome. so okay to the last movie uh that we're going to talk about uh tonight which is the one with jet Li. jet Li. which also like steve is bringing this up earlier um i know you listening audience wasn't privy to this conversation but steve was like they seriously should have made like two movie two more movies after this i made like a trilogy out of the one because it's like, you know, this is one of my favorite movies from Jet, and he's got a lot that I like. But this movie's just awesome, because you actually get to see what the fuck a fight would look like if Jet had, like, a clone of himself. Yeah, if Jet had to fight Jed, which I guess would be the best fight for Jet. Yeah. It's like, who it's would like, be you, your best opponent, Jet? Probably myself. Brilliant. Brilliant. Let's do something with that. <laughs> um, let's see. Jonathan Foreman said... This sci-fi slash martial arts hybrid has the stale aura of a product assembled out of bits of other action movies. What other action movies? The ones with kicking and punching? Because that's every action movie. You, you, you're not specific. Right. Uh, uh, here's uh, Desen Thompson. I guess you would call this a twin jet movie. That doesn't quite take off. Are we really Slow doing clap this? for that guy's lame ass joke. Are we really doing this? Yeah. This is how we're reviewing this movie. This comment was allowed to just stay on Rotten Tomatoes since 2001. And he gave it a 0. 0.5 out of 5. Next to that comment, you have another 0.5 out of 5 
written by Stephen Hunter from the Washington Post. Mm-hmm. Uh, who all, yeah, they're both from the Washington Post. And he says, a chaotic kung fu sci-fi Rama Lama Ding Dong on themes handled more originally by The Matrix. <laughs> yeah, because this movie has a lot of similarities with The Matrix. You know that one part where they plug in and they go in there and they're fighting. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Because Yula, he like he gets into the Matrix. He gets into the Matrix, and, and he, he has to fight himself. Yeah, Gabriel, uh, Gabriel Law, and I guess Jason Statham's like Morpheus. Yeah, he has to he has to show him the way through the Matrix. Yeah, none of that happens in this movie. Yeah. It's, it's a movie about why. You you know how you. This is one of the things that always pisses me off whenever you have a stylish action movie. Everybody fucking compares everything to the Matrix. Why the fuck? We just the people just said that the Underworld movies were like Matrix with vampires. Yeah, and it's like no, it's not at all. And their buns don't feel nothing like steel. Yeah, and my buns they don't feel nothing like steel. So you know maybe Kate Beckinsale's in that suit, but hey, you know that's. <laughs> I feel like, yeah. Right. <laughs> But like the thing and then is, this you, Albert Kim, which is considered a super viewer, wow, absolutely horrible. Can't even describe how horrible it was. Don't watch this crap fest. When somebody says I can't even describe how terrible this was, it means that they did. They just wanted to like the fuck off because it was like four fifty five on a Friday, and they're like, ah, I don't really want to sit here and finish this review. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to put this as so horrible, I can't even describe how horrible it is. Click and send. Yeah. I'm going to send this to my editor, and then they're, they're going to they're gonna go over this and post it. And it's like... Oh, it was really that bad? Yeah, that one scene where it's like, uh And then the other scene, they were like, ugh, crap fest. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but th- that's like the easiest way to get out of doing a movie review, is to say, it's so horrible, I can't describe how horrible it is. You're just going to have to take my word for it. Yeah, That's lazy. Which means, if you can't describe it, you should not be a reviewer. Like, yeah. I cannot describe how horrible this is. It's like, oh, well, you're bad at your job then. Because your entire job is literally describing things. Right. That is your entire job. So, like, the point that I was going to make is that, like, earlier when we covered the mediaversity reviews, mm-hmm. okay, she's very detailed in what she's talking about, and she outlays her point exactly her point is complete rubbish it's bullshit Mm -hmm. but at least when she points out her point of view you can read through the article and you understand like point by point what pissed her off at least we know what she's saying we know what she's trying to say that she didn't like about the movie and that's okay i would give her you know props for actually explaining what you didn't like about the movie in detail yeah even though it was pretty much bullshit but these other people are even more lazy, and they're just like, oh, this movie's horrible, and they don't explain anything. Yeah, yada, 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 fuck this movie. Ramalama Ding Dong, action movie, ripped Ramalama. off the Matrix. <laughs> Suck a dick, 0.5. It's like, we could go on here, and we we should become super reviewers and just put the most miscellaneous, yeah, stupid like, don't shit. Don't even make any sense. It's like, it doesn't even have anything to do with it. You remember Practical Magic? This movie's no Practical Magic. <laughs> Zero stars. <laughs> This was Blades of Glory. Yeah, it's not anything like Practical Magic. It's like, this is bullshit. Practical Magic did this did this story better. Sandra Bullock's a national fucking treasure. Right. Zero stars. Right. 
How dare you insult practical magic like that? <laughs> and Nicole Kidman, what the fuck did Nicole Kidman do to you that you got to make this shit that rips it off? <laughs> well, like, I'm, literally, we could create these accounts and go on every fucking movie and be like, oh, Avatar, where's Sandra Bullock? Fuck this movie. <laughs> and I guarantee you that comment stays. Right. <laughs> and people will literally be like, yeah, where is Sandra Bullock? Fuck this movie. Yeah. And Why they did won't this even movie watch get it. Sandra Bullock. This is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, at what point I'm going to create a dummy account on here just to fuck with people. Just to see if it actually does anything does to anything. affect these ratings. Like, we should create a Beyond the Hate. Like, we should literally title it so everyone knows right. that we're, we're trying to troll this. Right. And just be like, hey, you know, we're going to go to uh, uh, Endgame or something like that and be like... Uh, yeah, I mean this. This is the worst retelling of Rocky and Bullwinkle ever. Ever, Fuck I mean this movie. Bullwinkle was never purple, <laughs> and he didn't have some magical fucking glove. And yeah. I don't even know who the fuck is is Rocky. They turned Rocky into a raccoon. This is retarded. Yeah, this is crazy. You guys <laughs> need to get your species right. right, and then that'd be the end of it. And be like, people would be like, yeah, this is a bad telling of Rocky, Rocky and Bullwinkle. And Bullwinkle yeah. <laughs> because you know Proxima Midnight is basically the uh, the Russian lady, right? Uh, was it Boris and what's the other lady's name? Uh, Don't ask me. Boris I... and Natasha. Natasha. So Romanoff. they have a Natasha in this movie, but it's Black Widow. Yeah. See. So see. This is Rocky. I literally and pulled this shit out of my ass, and you see how we're already finding connections. Yes. Where's Black? Has the name Natasha, and they have a, a talking animal. Did they write Endgame based off of Rocky and Bowinkle? <laughs> New conspiracy theory. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, one thing you could say is that they tried to introduce Bullwinkle correctly when they brought in Hella, but they fucked up the antlers, you know? Yeah, they, yeah. You make could do a thing for Thor Ragnarok, and it's like, this is the worst version of Bullwinkle ever. <laughs> I don't want to feel... Like, I'm seeing a sexy bullwinkle. Yeah. They did get the antlers partially correct, but the body, he's a moose. He's not a, a smoking hot woman. He's not a smoking hot. Normally, I jack it to, to, to bullwinkle three <laughs> times. I jacked it 14 times to this. This version of bullwinkle is too sexy. Kate Blanchett is not a good moose. <laughs> I keep coming on my TV because of this. Right, this is ridiculous. I've ruined my Vizio because of my own skeet. You can put, <laughs> you can put that in the <laughs> Just put in there like, okay, I give this movie a one out of five because I've literally ruined my TV from skeet. And now it has pissed me off and I don't want to watch other movies. <laughs> yeah. It's the only one movie I don't watch anymore because they made the sexiest Bow Winkle. Ever. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if Bo Eagle wasn't sexy enough. Right. Oh, man. <laughs> you just see a studio guy read the review. It's like, oh, God. What the fuck is this? Should we even... Should, can we... Are we allowed to post this up? Is this good to go? There's no rules against it. Well, we've it. allowed Vanity Fair to post all their bullshit, so I guess so. <laughs> if anybody allows Vanity Fair to post anything, 
It's just guess, basically all open. I guess these guys and their review is fair game too. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what's next? Are we gonna have a, like a Maxim writer like fucking posting reviews on is Rotten Maxim Tomatoes? Is Maxim still a magazine? Do they still exist? I don't know. I think they make condoms now or something. <laughs> uh, let's see. Is is Maxim even still around? Yeah, they are. I don't know what. Uh, it's the other magazine, the good one that that one had business. What was it? FHM or FHM? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I remember what you're talking about. For him, magazine. Yeah, for yeah. him, yeah. <laughs> for heterosexual males. Yeah, it's a conspiracy theory. It's no, only no, no. for the straight people. <laughs> yeah. Who would have thought that straight people would like to look at chicks? In it's magazines? disgusting. Who wants to do that? fucking bitches <laughs> but like some of this stuff was like it, like on this uh jeffrey uh westhoff from northwest herald I thought you were gonna say jeffrey dahmer Jeff- it's like jeffrey well, dahmer you know, his picture does kind of look like jeffrey dahmer he's still alive see. um does it uh oh it doesn't show it on here and this dude's from illinois that's not very far from minnesota where dahmer was from but yeah, look at his like his little picture on there. He's like a balding dude with glasses. Mm. Jeffrey Dahmer is alive, and he's in Illinois, and he's doing shitty reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. But he put, "You should know you're in trouble when you steal ideas from Highlander. That can be only one. That can be only one. Except the Highlander didn't have like Jet Li and fucking Kung Fu and shit in it, and traveling between multiple universes." And also, Highlander sucked. <laughs> Except Christopher Lambert, he was awesome. He was awesome. Also, Sean, Sean Connery's. Also, version. the best Raiden. We'll just say that the best Raiden. The the, the absolute best. <laughs> I thought it was since we're randomly talking about Mortal Kombat. I thought it was cool that they brought back Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa to be Shang Tsung in the video game, and they actually scanned him in, so it's him in his current age as an older Shang Tsung, actually doing the lines for Shang Tsung like he did in the movie. Your soul belongs to me. That's fucking awesome that they actually did that. And then they brought in Ronda Rousey to be Sonya Blade. Watch Bridge of Dragons <laughs> with Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. And, um... Shang Tsung. <laughs> you mean Yuki Tagawa? No, I mean Shang Tsung. Shang Tsung. You will forever be known as Shang Tsung. Your you soul me. belongs to me. Uh, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I... You know, that's the thing about something like the one. I guess to kind of wrap it up here, the thing about like a movie like the one is that it's it's a sci-fi movie. It's got a pretty interesting premise, and like Steve was saying earlier, like when we were eating, it would have been cool to see what they would have done with like the whole multiple universe thing, because the fact that he's going through the he's jumping through like the multi like the multiverse, and he's killing the other versions of himself to become more like a god because every time they lose one the powers divvied amongst the the remaining survivors so basically by the time he gets to the end he's like well shit all i gotta do is just kill one more one more copy of me and i'm a fucking god because i've absorbed all the power of all the other you all the other laws that were out there in the world or in the multiverse you know and so it's a pretty interesting thing and then you have um the two cops I forgot the other dude's name, but it's like Jason Statham and the other guy. I forgot his name. He's from Romeo Must Die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
so it's like you have the two cops that are basically chasing after him because he's committing crimes and he's murdering people in different universes, mm-hmm. you know, or like in the multiverse. And so that would have been cool. You could have set up like a whole TV show off that probably if you were inventive enough. And all these people wanted to do is be like, oh, this is just like a ripoff of the Matrix. This is like that one guy is like, this is a ripoff of Highlander. And it's like, you know that your your argument's already pretty lazy when you start comparing it to another movie right off the bat. Just so, because they think that like, well, if I compare something to and say that it's like a shittier version of the Matrix, I don't have to write that much because people know what that means. Exactly. It's like, it's your uh, get out of writing your, your review free card, you know, just... Say that something ripped off the Matrix and you can fuck off at, you know, 5 o'clock. You don't have to do anything else. It's just this the thing that pisses me off. And people look at these reviews and think like, oh, you know, Rotten Tomatoes is a pretty trusted place. You know, fun fact, the company that runs Rotten Tomatoes it ultimately is owned by NBC Universal, who is owned by Comcast. So if NBC Universal wants a movie to do really well because it's in their, you know, best interest to do so... They probably have some stipulations on here that's like, well, if it's an NBC Universal or if it's a Universal made movie, try not to be too harsh on it because remember, we are your parent company. We own you, motherfuckers. We own you, motherfuckers. Um, so, you know, that's one of the things that's like when you understand that people submitting reviews to this. Are submitting it to a site that is ultimately owned by NBC Universal and Comcast, then you automatically have to understand there's got to be some kind of a bias there somewhere. Universal is not going to let somebody go in here and just openly trash their stuff. They're probably going to hide most of the really, really bad reviews because they don't want people to see that. And shit that they want to make look bad from a different company, they're going to tank it and make its rating look like shit so people won't go see it because that's their competition. Right. You know? Uh, it's like uh, the uh, article I sent to Steve earlier today. Uh, I'll give you guys the uh, website so that you can you can go to it. It actually explains. Yeah, it's from the Chicago Tribune, and it's um, what is the name of the article? Don't let a fresh or rotten on Rotten Tomatoes fool you. This isn't real criticism. No, and most of it's fake. It's written by Chris Jones, uh, who is a contact reporter. I'm not sure what that means. But he works for the Chicago Tribune, and he's basically on here illustrating like some of the bullshit about Rotten Tomatoes, you know. And our whole website is about looking past hate, but our whole point of doing these Rotten Tomatoes episodes is look past the hate on these articles and the bullshit that people put on here, and actually watch movies, form your own opinion, and don't go by these jackasses who just want to lazily write stuff or have hidden agendas or whatever. But check out that article on ChicagoTribune.com uh, uh, by Chris Jones. It's a, I was reading this this morning, and I was like, hey, I send this to Steve because this is perfect for our Rotten Tomatoes episode because this illustrates a lot of the bullshit that goes on behind the scenes. you know. Um, but, yeah, I think that uh, that probably wraps it up there. That uh, Yeah, that does wrap it up, and uh, this has been uh, another special episode of Beyond the Hate. And uh, Rotten Tomatoes is the worst. Rotten Tomatoes is the worst, you know. Episode 2. Like us, uh, subscribe to us, leave a review. Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, all the, all the big hits, Google Podcasts, we're on like Stitcher, 
It's like uh, all kinds of different stuff. Like we're everywhere. Everywhere. It's like eight, so, nine different platforms. Yeah. <laughs> so anywhere you want to, just type in Beyond the Hate and uh, listen to us. And, sh- and show show a couple of broke motherfuckers some love with some money. <laughs> yeah. Give us your money. <laughs> Yes. That is fine.